Hi, everyone. I'm David Blindauer, and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, Stories from the Frontline. This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best advice and counsel from experienced managers for anyone who's new to the role of manager. Today's guest is Banu Palta Hill. Here are some thoughts on our conversation with Banu, is today's host, Betsy Hagen. Thanks, David. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Banu Palta Hill. Banu is an experienced leader in the field of higher education and has been developing curriculum and teaching on the subject of diversity, equity, and inclusion for almost 25 years. Her passion is helping leaders build cultures that optimize performance, engage employees fully, and ultimately retain them. Her own experiences as a manager has influenced her perspectives on what it takes to effectively lead people in ways that are both progressive and pragmatic. Banu and I had a great conversation that covered a wide range of topics, but the one I've chosen for this segment is her discussing employee engagement and the role that managers play in creating inclusive cultures. Engaging employees is an important topic. If you were going to give a new manager advice on the subject, what would it be? So I think first, you know, to just have a shared understanding of what engagement is, it's some level of passion you feel towards your job, towards your work. It's um, how much of your identity is tied up with what it is you do. And we know that when people are highly engaged, in other words, highly passionate about what they do, really they see um, their performance um, as an extension of their identity. So, uh, you know, there is no that it's five o'clock, I'm leaving. It's more about, I want this to be the best possible report it is, say that's what I'm working on. And um, so I will do everything I can um, and put in the time and effort to make it the best it can be. Now, if I'm disengaged, if I don't feel any connection, I'm going to do what I can and do the minimal that's satisfactory and then be out of here by five o'clock. So it's a very different mindset. Engagement controls or determines what's the mindset. And engagement is a direct outcome of culture. And so if our organizations don't have the optimal culture for people to be engaged, we lose out on all. Um, and it's not just, you know, oftentimes um, people talk about, well, it's not just about profits. It's not, but there's a lot to it. It's actually, we don't have as much innovation. We don't have as much of an organization that's agile. And because we know that teams operating in inclusive environments tend to be diverse teams operating in inclusive environments tend to be more innovative, more agile. They're more open to change. They see change as an opportunity rather than a threat. Um, they tend to outperform their counterparts by 200%. And at the end of the day, they do tend to be more profitable. Right. And so, you know, and um, so how do, as a new manager, how do you ensure that your team is highly engaged? Um, one of the first things is, does every individual have a sense of belonging? And that belonging is so critical, so critical. It's controlled by the same 
part of our sense of belonging is controlled by the same part of the brain as our need for food and physical safety. And that sense of belonging provides us with psychological safety. And if we don't have psychological safety, we won't be able to do our work. Uh, what's an example? Panu, can you have an example of like, so, because I have heard people talk about psychological safety in the workplace and how important it is. So can you, can you give an example of like what the, what it, it looks like or sounds like when someone would have psychological safety versus someone who did not feel psychologically safe in the workplace? Like just uh, so that people are grounded in, in an actual example. Of course. So there are several levels of psychological safety. The most fundamental is that you feel like you can contribute a new idea. So I'll give you an example. Uh, in higher education institutions, it's been an ongoing debate that at, at the graduate level, so these are people who are of legal drinking age, how many events do you have where you actually serve alcohol? And so if I felt psychologically safe, I could say, you know, really we shouldn't serve it because we have a large number of uh, students who identify as Mormon who do not drink. We have a large number of students who are international and choose not to drink. Um, and so, you know, that it's exclusionary. If I can say that, that's kind of a fundamental idea, um, you know, that, hey, um, you know, maybe we should do this instead. Now, if I were to go on and criticize that this also contributes to, you know, reputation of large public universities as, um, you know, places where alcohol is, it, it, as party schools or whatnot, having that criticism, that's a that's a deeper level of psychological safety. And when we don't um, feel psychologically safe, what will happen is, so say I'm a, I'm a person who doesn't drink and we have these, and I keep, I don't feel like my input would be valued. The whole time I'll be thinking about that rather than the uh, issue at hand. So we know, actually, there's a lot of research around if our basic needs like psychological safety, physical safety, you know, um, isn't fulfilled, we can't get to that self-actualization level, which is what's required for full engagement. Mm -hmm. And um, so when people talk about, you know, I, I mean, we have friends, family members, or maybe even ourselves where we've talked about I can't stand it. I can't go back to my work. It's just so awful. I can't stand to be there. It feels like it's melodramatic to the other person, but actually the brain is receiving the same signals, same chemical reactions as if that person was deprived of food. Um, yes. that, that is so powerful. So imagine if you're deprived of food, you can't focus on anything else, but needing to eat. Same thing with psychological safety. Um, when you don't feel there, that sense of belonging, you're just searching for that sense of belonging and you can't kind of get into the higher level of um, utilizing your brain into that self-actualization. And how, 
how do how do you think managers influence the culture of a, a team in ways that support psychological safety or prohibit psychological safety or inhibit? Well, I think managers set the tone. In fact, um, most of the, um, I would say 90% of um, the responsibility goes to the leader, to the manager, because if they don't set a tone for number one, for um, open communication, so having that openness, having vulnerability. So if there's this fear, so part of psychological safety has to do with fear of always being uh, right, fear of performing. Um, and so if there isn't some leeway that, oh, it's okay to be wrong um, and admit that you're wrong, people will not feel, it, it's constantly, it's a fear-driven culture. So you're constantly focused on being a performer and doing um, and being seen as right. Yes, I, I would just des- I would describe what you just talked about as the difference between perfectionism and achievement. So you have leaders who who think that what they're doing is setting high standards for achievement, but when it is more about the perfection of getting to the right answer as it is defined by the leader or, you know, the the whoever matters, let's right. say, right? Right. In the team, then what that creates is a dynamic by which w- whether people feel psychologically safe or not, they don't believe, right? I don't have a belief system that challenging is worth the energy exactly exactly you know there it was really interesting i um i it makes me have a lot of hope when i meet leaders where they're really in tune with this signaling of inclusion um i had a um colleague who is a senior leader at an accounting firm at a one of the big four And it was so fascinating hearing him say, I said, you know, how do you like your new role? It it must have shifted, um, you know, your work routine quite a bit. And what was interesting is that his first, he said the biggest difference is I am constantly aware of what am I reading? People are paying attention to how I talk, who I talk with, who do I go to lunch with? What am I reading? What am I doing? Because I'm setting the tone. And I thought, my gosh, if we can all be that aware, that's what it takes to be a good leader. Finally, I asked Banu to share her perspectives for managers who worry about unintentionally offending someone and being judged for those mistakes. I think that's invalid. In fact, I think if anything, that has that mindset has set us back, that fear. And so we have to create environments where we're not walking on eggshells. Um, So we just, it's a given, we're going to make mistakes. And perhaps that's the tone that the leader has to set and say, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm good. I am sure I offend people throughout the day, but I'm going to count on you to be my partner in learning. So if there's something I'm doing um, that I'm not aware of, you know, that's offensive, please pull me aside and tell me. So the idea isn't to publicly shame people, mm-hmm. which 
our society tends to do. I, you know, we sort of make an example of people. We, when we're part of the same team or organization, I think we do have to have the assumption of good intent because we share organizational value. So we have to make it that we are going to make mistakes. I mean, I'm going to be seen as racist, sexist, homophobic by somebody throughout the day. And now if they don't tell me that, I, I won't know. How will I know? So the only way we can do that is to have a safe culture that is inclusive. There's psychological safety. It goes back to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really the um, belonging comes from um, being seen as for who you are. And then secondly, to be integral to the, to feel like you're integral to the success of the organization. If as a manager, I don't feel safe, you know, even saying certain things like I'm going to offend my, you know, African-American colleagues or my colleagues who are part of the LGBTQ community, whatever dimension of diversity you want to look at. We actually, what ends up happening is we end up avoiding each other mm-hmm. because it's easier mentally not to engage for fear of doing the wrong thing. And that's the absolute worst in an organization or in a society. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. Betsy, that was a great conversation with Benu. What were some of the highlights that stood out to you? Three things I think every manager needs to hear. First, that highly engaged employees tend to see their performance as an extension of their identity. Second, that engagement is a direct outcome of culture and inclusive cultures produce better results. And finally, that managers influence team culture by role modeling and encouraging behaviors that create psychologically safe environments where everyone can feel they belong. So Betsy, why is employee engagement so important for managers to care about right now? Yeah, I think that uh, it's a great question, David. And I think that the idea of employee engagement being high on the priority list of managers, things that they need to care about, things that they need to tend to, has always been there. But I think in particular, Banu's comment about uh, employees thinking about their employment as an extension of themselves when they are, in fact, highly engaged, I think is something that really defines for us as managers the reasoning behind uh, why we care about engagement, right? The, the greater we can connect people um, to feeling that they are part of an organization, that they matter in an organization, that their contribution is, in fact, uh, important and valued, is going to, I think, lead to a greater sense of, hey, regardless of what is happening in this organization, 
maybe I do want to stay here and maybe I want to work through whatever challenges that there might be out there. And maybe this is a good place for me, not just now, but even as I think about my future. So I think that this idea of engagement is important as Banu has defined it as the opportunity, right, for people to connect who they are to where they were. Banu talks about how engaged people have a greater sense of belonging in the workplace. What are some ways that managers can influence that on the day-to-day? You know, I think that the ideas of creating inclusive environments is something that is actually, we, we've, for most of us, we do these things as part of our normal day-to-day work. We just don't necessarily think about them or we don't have a heightened sense of awareness. So one of the things that I think a manager can do and actually should do is to consider all the ways in which they create space for people to communicate in ways that make them uh, feel heard, that they have many channels and ways of which to connect to you as a manager and that you connect with them. So for example, if you are working with someone uh, who is not in the same physical location as you are, that you give them not just the opportunity to set up time and meetings for them, but actually a way for them to connect with you on a as-needed basis, right? So that they don't have to wait and hold off if they really do have something urgent that they need to speak with you on. And then the idea is that in order to create a sense of real belonging for people, that the communication is as much of just about passing information back and forth as it is appreciating showing people value, right? expressing the value. So saying things like, thank you, you know, uh, for bringing that to my attention. Um, You know, I appreciate your perspective. All of those things, those little things that we do in communication that sometimes when we're really busy and we're, you know, working on three things at the same time, we kind of skip past or miss. And I think that those are all opportunities for us as managers is to just up our game in ways that do a little bit more that create even more of a condition for people to feel that they can absolutely communicate in ways that make the most sense to them and that they um, get communication um, in ways that are best for them to hear. I think in that case, people do feel like I'm, I, I can, I can do my best work in the conditions that have been created here. So, Betsy, both you and Banu had ideas about the aspects of vulnerability and fear and the impact that has on individuals and team members in the workplace. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So one of the things that Banu reminds us and others that we've talked to on our podcast have reminded us is the importance of a a manager not necessarily trying to always have all the answers and sort of role modeling that there are times when we are, in fact, vulnerable. We don't know the answer. We do make mistakes. We learn from those mistakes. We move forward in a positive kind of way. And that those things that we want from people, we have to demonstrate. We have to be prepared to demonstrate. And that may come uh, in a way that says, you know, look, 
you may not always have the answers. And so it's okay as a manager to demonstrate that vulnerability of not having all the answers. In the case of sort of fear, when people are worried, let's say, of that they've maybe not performed to expectations or something has happened that is, is causing them to worry about um, the consequences maybe of, uh, you know, again, not doing something to, to the greatest degree or to the best that you could, that the way that we as managers approach those challenges with people to help them to see it in context of, uh, yes, this happened and we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again, but we stay positive and we move forward, right, with positivity and optimism that, look, there's things that we can do to make sure that the next time or going forward, right, improvement happens. We have to take that, I think, and put that in perspective and say, this is something that we as managers can and should lead with our teams uh, because it helps them to see that that's the way we want them to behave and because that's the way we behave. And with that, we conclude this episode of Conversation with a Manager. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel like others could learn from it as well, feel free to recommend it to your friends and colleagues. And a big thank you to our guest, Banu Paltahill, for sharing some of her personal experiences as a manager. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource, champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry.